Incorrect statements are never great and can often lead to trouble. But what about if it costs you $21 million? Join us today as we consider that exact scenario in this episode of Keeping Up With The Consumer Law. Welcome to episode two of Keeping Up With The Consumer Law. My name's Joel Greger. Joining me today is my co-host, Joel Lisk. Hello. G'day. Uh, in this episode, we're talking about the recent case of the ACCC and Uber and how that led to Uber paying $21 million in penalties. So we're going to jump straight into the facts. Lisk, you want to walk us through it? What happened? Yeah. So the ACCC and Uber, as an interesting case, it's a, it's a mix of different things. It's a bit about pricing representations and it's also a little bit about cancellation rights. So... If we delve into it, I think a lot of people... Well, I know how to use the Uber app, do you? Uh, yes, yep. Yeah, I've definitely used the Uber app. Yes, yeah, turned out to be a little bit more convenient than taxis for a while there. Um, so we're talking about the Uber app. So when we log on to the Uber app, I think we're all relatively familiar with UberX. So that's the normal service you and I would book if we wanted to go for a trip around the town. Um, of course, a lot of us also know about Uber Comforts, so, you know, the next level up. Uh, Uber Pool, and if you're lucky enough, Uber Copter. I don't really think it's available here in Adelaide at the moment. No, I think we're still a little bit away from Uber Copter yet, but uh, excited to see drones flying all over the place. I think that one's the helicopters. Oh, this is the people carrying ones. Yeah, so I think this is in, I think, Dubai, maybe. Oh, no, sorry, I have seen this. Yeah, so... There's a few options, but one I was never aware of, um, not sure about you, was something called Uber Taxi. No, I, I very much was not aware of it until reading this case. Yeah, so Uber Taxi was a service, as you'd probably guess. Um, you could use the Uber app to book your traditional taxi. So not too remarkable. Um, so when you were doing that, it would be just like an ordinary Uber. It'd pop up on the screen with, you know, drivers are so far away. Um, would you like to book? Here's your estimate. Get cracking. So... That's one thing we'll be talking about today, but the other ones are probably a little bit more, um, a bit more normal. And that's what about happens when you cancel a booking on Uber. So I've never actually done it for some reason. I had to think back and go, have I actually cancelled an Uber before? I have definitely cancelled an Uber because I saw how the Uber driver was going to be getting to my place, and it was going to add an extra like ten minutes onto uh, him getting there because uh, it came up with this roundabout follow the maze style and cancelled and reset it Fair. i know when i cancelled and reset it there was no fee so so what would normally happen though when you cancel that it'd pop up with a little a little message this was between uh, getting the dates right between december 2017 and uh, september 2021 it was you see i reckon it would have been prior to that i moved in 2016 so i reckon it would have been 2016 when i was using ubers mostly so Prior to the glory days of, of this case. Yeah. Do you remember seeing a message saying you may be charged a small fee since your driver I, is already I do on the not. way? I do not recall that because that was definitely no later than 2016. So, yeah. So, whenever you cancel, um, the ACCC alleged and uh, Uber agreed that between those time periods, the December 2017 and September 2021, you would have got that message. You would have been told you may be charged a small fee since your driver is already on their way. The reality was you actually weren't going to be charged a small fee. And I think that's something we'll jump into in a sec. Cool. Thanks, Liz. So just to recap there, two main issues uh, propped up in this case. We've got what was taking place uh, with the Uber taxi, how they were representing those prices when it popped up on screen. We can see there's one line of issues there. And then for everything, we had these cancellation messages popping up in that time. So... What's wrong with that from a legal sense? Where does that contravene the legal provisions? 
yeah, so that's where it gets a little bit more interesting. And this is what the podcasters are obviously here to talk about. So what went wrong, I think it's fair to say, is um, we realized when the ACCC commenced proceedings um, in 2022, they essentially alleged that Uber had breached prohibitions on misleading or deceptive conduct and something else called misleading and false representations regarding the price of goods and services. So what does it actually mean? So if we're talking about the Uber taxi service, remember I said you got that cost estimate. So they actually alleged that the algorithm that underpinned that, so essentially the computer software that generated the estimate was actually wrong. So from about June 2018 onwards, as part of a global change to the actual Uber app and underlying service, um, they updated the algorithm and that caused the algorithm to actually present higher estimates. And it was actually found in the court that 89% of the time, the estimate you would get with the Uber taxi service on the app before booking was higher than what the actual cost of the Uber taxi service would be. Yeah, right. I mean, even just from a lay uh, perspective of that word misleading, it kind of sounds like it's ticking the boxes a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's a, it's the idea that between about twenty uh, June 2018 and August, August 2020-ish, the estimates were higher and therefore it just amounted to a misleading representation related to the price of a service. So... It's a, it's a layered thing, but actually appears relatively simple when you think about it. Yeah, cool. And so that was um, when you're looking at that quote. If you actually went ahead and booked with the app, though, it still came through at the actual price, didn't it? Not that overinflated amount. Exactly. So um, the case actually talks about, and the court talks about in finding um, the, the, the facts of this case, that the, the algorithm would calculate it on a couple of different factors, including distance and time. But the actual charge um, that the that the taxi service would do was based on different factors. So the factors that went into the, the estimate and the factors that went into the actual price were slightly different. So in the majority of circumstances, you're actually charged less overall for the Uber taxi service than was estimated before you jumped in the car. Yeah, okay. So you've got one issue is the representation being made, but taking it back that step further, the math was actually faulty to begin with. Yeah, the math was faulty. And um, it was interesting, actually, because Uber conceded it didn't check. It just didn't actually know at the time whether the algorithm was correct. And interestingly, um, the case talks about this moment where Google, uh, sorry, Uber became aware of the problem after it received a notice from the ACCC saying, we've got some concerns, let us know what your thoughts are and provide us with a justification for it. Yeah, that's, um, that's not going to be a good day at work, is it? No, not for the poor, poor person and ultimately the poor lawyer at the other end of that letter. Uh, right, so that's the Uber taxi issue. The cancellation's a bit different though, isn't it? So what was the issue with the cancellation? How did that affect uh, consumers? So the cancellations, yes, you're right, were a bit different. So I think it's fair to say a lot of the time we tend to think about it, well, if you're booking an Uber and the driver is on the way and you are thinking about cancelling and you get the message like, you may be charged a small fee since your driver's on the way. It kind of makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. If you're stuffing them around because they've started driving, they've started using petrol. If you change your decision, you cop something. Yeah, it's it's not the same as a taxi service where, you know, you'll either hail it down on the side of the street because they're coming past you or, you know, if you book it over the phone, they don't have your payment details. So if you don't want to take it, you just disappear. And I guess this now comes down to the fact of um, that difference between what might kind of seem... Eh, that, that sounds right and what the actual terms are in the agreement between you and the provider and that's this that's where this really came down to the crunch didn't it in those terms yeah exactly so 
the reality was that the Uber's, Uber's terms and conditions actually allowed a person to cancel a booking for free without a charge within five minutes of booking the service um, for everything except an Uber pool, which you had 60 seconds to cancel. One thing I don't know is I don't know if that applies for an Uber copter. I've got a small feeling if you're ordering a helicopter, you're probably on the hook for a bit more money. I, I don't know. Well, you've probably already had like landing and takeoff fees applied depending on where it's coming from. Don't know. I've got a feeling you're not paying 30 bucks for an Uber copter trip. So um, can, can we just confirm Uber pool? I mean, I'm seeing this as like a traveling swimming pool, but I think it's actually carpooling, isn't it? It's carpooling. Yeah. So it's a bit more... Um, I think it's something that started in the US quite a long time ago. I think we're only just starting to see it break into Australia a bit more now. So it's a bit more in the old school, you know, ride share idea that yeah, you, you grab yeah. a few people on the way. Yeah. Nice and COVID safe. I just had this image of uh, that, that Simpsons episode where Otto's driving the pool on the back of the truck as, as a Uber pool. But uh, anywho. It's a little bit detached from that, I think. We're a little bit detached from there. So, right. So this is applying to Uber. Now, you noted that point there about uh, in the terms it said that there was a five-minute policy uh, that it would be a free cancellation. What do you think the reasoning is for that? I mean, you know, that that doesn't seem like on face value to be in Uber's interest. Why would that be in there, do you think, Joel, as a commercial law mind? I think it's a bit more of a a customer satisfaction point, isn't it? So a lot of the time, um, I'm just trying to think of the the standard. It's a good business practice, isn't it? Yeah, what's your your standard use of an Uber? you know, it generally involves a bunch of people in different circumstances. So you might book it one second and then unfortunately get distracted and stuck doing something else the next. You um, find out three of you just booked an Uber all at the same time. Exactly. So there, there are a few legitimate reasons for why you'd want to want to cancel an Uber, I'd think. And I think it just gives that bit of reassurance as well that you actually do have this little bit of time to make a decision. And uh, I've, I've definitely, I, I definitely have done it where I've, I've, um, put the put the uh, job request in you see there's a couple cars nearby and then the person who picks up the job is really far away and so suddenly your uh, trip is going to take an extra 15 minutes i've definitely cancelled it and, and redone it and then someone closer grabs it so yeah there's a, there's a stack of reasons why that would be in there and it's good to see that's in there the issue though is what is the company saying to the consumer and that's where they came unstuck here isn't it and this is the problem so if you were to to cancel your, your um, booked trip and all of a sudden you pop up with this fee saying you may be charged a fee for your since your driver's on the way you're less likely to do that cancellation because you might look at that and go oh well you know I was just about to you know, you know go grab something quickly to eat and then jump and book in another Uber but I guess if it's already on the way and I'm going to get charged a $5 cancellation fee or something just to be clear the ad didn't say, the message didn't tell you how much the fee was it just said you may didn't it it didn't say you will it said you may and so that's the thing. It's, like it's what impression does it create in your yeah. mind? In mine, it goes, oh, actually, I'm, I'm going to get hit with a fee here. I may as well just go ahead and jump in the car anyway and I'll deal with what I need to deal with later. And that's the real issue here, isn't it? It's created this perception that's inaccurate and amounts to a contravention of those provisions uh, on that basis that prevent against misleading or deceptive conduct. Yeah, so in both this case about the cancellation messages and in terms of the Uber taxi pricing, Uber actually admitted after the ACCC commenced the proceedings that it did do the wrong thing. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great segue into our next part, which is what is the law? We've dropped this term misleading or deceptive conduct a few times now. Uh, I think it's probably a good time to unpack that and explain precisely what do we mean by that, at least in this instance, because it does differ a bit depending on 
which provision uh, you're using changes a bit with the different cases. But what was the issue here uh, with Uber? What does M or D mean in this scenario? So misleading or deceptive conduct for just that really quick bit of background is one of the most broadest, generalist um incredibly useful prohibitions in the Australian consumer law. So essentially the law prescribes that um, in trade or commerce, a a person must not engage in misleading or deceptive conduct or conduct that's likely to mislead or deceive. So that's a really legal test. But essentially the idea is you shouldn't be engaging in conduct with other people in business um, where the conduct and the representations together are likely to lead a person into making an error. So you know, it's, it's quite a broad test and we'll talk in a few episodes about what this actually means because it applies to so many different cases and different scenarios. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? And that's what we spoke about in episode one last week, that whereas some of the provisions are capped at 100K or, or similar, this is one of those provisions where it, it applies to any conduct in trade or commerce. It doesn't involve so, that definition of consumer we were talking about. It's big multinational, bringing it against another big multinational, that's fine. It definitely is. So in this case, when we're talking about the Uber taxi and the cancellation messages, um, just to be clear, Uber actually admitted the conduct. So when they went to the court, them and the ACCC together filed joint statements saying, you know, we've done the wrong thing. Um, You know, we're admitting we've we've breached these provisions. Um, You know, Let's let's move forward like that. But what we're talking—that's that's actually a really good point to, to make a note of that. Um, it, it, that's not always the case. Uh, some of the cases that we're going to be discussing, uh, they went to trial, and uh, the ACCC, if they were the ones bringing the proceedings, which a lot of the ones we're talking about, they were, uh, they would have to make their case, and and uh, the the court has found in in their favour. This is an instance though where. Uh, because Uber conceded, they made joint submissions mm. and then the court accepts it or, or doesn't accept it. But in this case... In this case, they did. So essentially, it was agreed that, that, that the errors or the sorry, the conduct that would lead someone into an error was essentially making um, consumers and people who are using the app think that the Uber taxi's pricing was higher than it actually was. And in the second case, that when you were going to cancel an Uber booking... Um, that you would be cause you'll be charged a fee for that cancellation when in fact that was never going to happen. So they're the two pieces of conduct um, that gave rise to the proceedings, and then that Uber admitted in that case. And because if we then put that back into that definition you gave us before, which uh, that's section 18 of the ACL, we're not going to get too heavy into the sections, but that's kind of your starting point with a lot of this misleading or deceptive conduct stuff. But if we whack that into there, it's a a person. Person can be a a corporation, which is what it is here. Must not in trade or commerce, or this is in trade or commerce, have I butchered that? You give no, me your face. No, you've actually got that right. This is just my face. Oh, that's just your resting face. <laughs> just my resting that's wrong just face. Just your resting Sorry. face. I just assumed that I was uh, saying that one wrong. I was going to say section 18 is one of the ones I've actually got down pat off the top of the head. I think, but no, 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 that's... Uh, and which really just reflects how often it comes up. You have thrown me now, though. So just to wrap that up, it's engaging conduct that is misleading or deceptive, or is likely to mislead or deceive. Okay. Okay. Moving on to moving on. Moving on to the rest of it. So um, there was a couple of assertions and inferences thrown around a little bit. Um, so in terms of like what the error actually was, um, was the interesting part. So in terms of the the, the Uber taxi point, the error was the wrong like, uh, the wrong um, estimate, and therefore thinking the wrong price. And in terms of cancellation, was will it actually incur a fee? So that's interesting. But importantly, the court actually really struggled to un- to receive enough evidence to actually make rulings on what the losses could be. So I think it's fair to say the inference is open 
to you and I and everyone listening that if the price for the Uber taxi was estimated at being higher than it actually was, you're probably likely to check what the price of an Uber X is or an Uber Comfort. Now, to be super clear, when we say Uber taxi, we're talking about other taxi companies, are we? So, Uber Taxi worked by connecting you with companies, with taxis existing. So, it's not an Uber driver as such. It's the Uber app is then sending the job out to a pre-existing third-party taxi company that has this arrangement. So, what it's saying is this is our Uber Taxi arrangement. It's going to cost you this much. Here's our cheaper Uber option if you'd like that one. That's an inference that was potentially put. Potentially. Um, it was interesting that when the court was asked this question, like, can you um, make the inference that Uber actually benefited from displaying higher prices for Uber Taxi when compared to the other services? Um, there wasn't enough evidence for that conclusion. So in it's a really technical point, and it's one that appears a little bit when it comes to loss and damage, is how do you quantify the loss and damage and how do you actually provide enough evidence to the court to do that? And in this case, they were like, you needed more analysis and more stats to really get there. So that's uh, one interesting point. And on the next, in terms of cancellations, because Uber wasn't actually charging the cancellation fee, um, there wasn't really much in the way of loss. So it's actually quite interesting. So people would have continued with their ride, but would they likely to have gone with an Uber in the first place and after the fact? And one last point I kind of want to make about the law point of this one, which is is interesting um, for us all to know is, of course, that um, Uber wasn't actually aware that the algorithm for Uber Taxi was causing problems um, based on the facts of the, the proceedings and the judgment. So, And why is, why is that particularly important to note, this, yeah. this idea of, well, they're unaware? Is that, a, is that a free cop-out? So, no. So, misleading or deceptive conduct can actually even pop up and you can, in, you can actually invalidate, sorry, you can actually breach those provisions without knowing you've made a misleading or deceptive statement. Yeah, it can be unintentional. It can be unintentional. So, essentially, the idea is that you should be only making statements and doing things that you have a reasonable basis for. Or making these representations. Mm. And so, what... We, what they found in this instance was that Uber wasn't actually aware that the update to the algorithm was causing incorrect um, estimates to be put forward to the customer. So that's actually quite an interesting finding, but one that's quite important, especially for businesses, that there is a need to take steps to make sure the information that you're presenting to the public is actually correct. It's all about that risk minimization, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And I think when we get more and more into technology, it tends to be more of a risk. So um, is your AI bot that's dealing with a customer presenting correct information all the time? Well, it's really, really hard to tell. Um, But what steps are you taking to ensure that it does? That's the important part. So the takeaways from ACCC and Uber, there's a couple of things. Uh, if Maybe perhaps if you're a business, I, I think, uh, probably the, the main ones jumping out here are probably more so for a business to think about, I, I would say. Yeah, so in my mind, I think this case has more significance for the, for the everyday business. So yeah. the one who's going out there and providing services or doing marketing. Um, and I think the main takeaway is making sure the statements you make are actually having a reasonable basis. Is what the what the content, what the marketing, what your salespeople are saying to customers, is it correct? 
Do you actually have a ground for saying what you're saying? Um, and making sure that where you're a little bit unsure, you're actually avoiding those um, those particular statements. Yeah, it's really breaking down that reasonable basis. What are you making these uh, claims, these representations on? And I guess on that note, it, uh, it, it we, we do have a useful takeaway for the consumer as well in pause and think what's their reasonable basis for making this representation to me. Mm. And in the in this example, it's actually quite difficult for a customer yeah, to for look sure. at the Uber app and understand that. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's how a lot of these services run now. So if you're only presented with so much information, hey, it's fair to take a lot of it on face value. Um, and in this instance, the, the cost estimates between the Uber taxi and um, the alternatives apparently were not overly extreme, but it was still an interesting example in, well, if we're being told an inflated price, what's the consequences of that? No, for sure. And, and I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that if I was looking at that, I, I would have assumed that that's the correct price. Yeah. And so I think when we jump across then to the cancellation statements, um, that one's a bit more technical and again, more for the business rather than the individual. But it's around this idea that is a fine balance between the steps you take um, when dealing with your customers to ensure you retain your customers um, and then also what telling them what their legal rights are. So in this case, you want to retain the customer booking. You don't want can- customers just willy-nilly cancelling their Uber bookings because that does have an underlying cost to your business. You've got drivers who are commencing um, travel to a customer to pick up and they might be cancelled. So you want to stop customers just cancelling all the time. But at the same time, you don't have a basis for charging them a fee. Well, are you misleading them as to what their rights actually are? And that's what this one really, really comes down to. That's it. It's not in the terms. Indeed, it's the exact opposite in the terms. And you're saying, well, you may be charged a fee. Those words just don't cut it, do they? No. They create this uh, different image in the mind of the person listening. And that's how you go and get yourself in trouble. Yeah. And so I think that kind of really encapsulates this case. You've got Two different, very uh, two different statements that actually have quite similar takeaways and quite similar objects to them. You know, this idea that making statements with a reasonable basis is important, but also making sure the statements are accurate as to your legal rights and to the rights of the customers you're dealing with. Yeah, and and I'm sure in other cases we look at, we'll get into the issue of uh, misstatements through part truths or silence and and that. But yeah, this is a case where it's a. Poor choice of words. I'll say one of the ones I'm looking at those dealing with my one of my favourite topics of um, strike through pricing and uh, essentially what's was now pricing. And I think anyone who used to work with me would know that it's some of my favourite stuff to deal with. We will definitely be letting Lisk loose on strike through pricing in a future episode. There, I can see him getting worked up and excited. Uh, and Lisk doesn't usually show a lot of excitement, so I'm excited for him. Yeah. <laughs> so that really was the crux of A Triple C and Uber. We've got the facts, we've got what happened, we can look at the law, look at how uh, the actions of the company contravened that law and what that ultimate penalty was. And what was it here? It's a $21 million penalty. Yeah, so just, you know, quite a conservative number, I think. You know, that's just sitting in your back pocket normally, isn't it? We've got different pockets, obviously. So where to from here? As we've said, this is legal education. It's not legal advice. If you've got any questions about your specific rights or indeed obligations under the ACL after listening to this podcast, we recommend seeking legal advice. Uh, You've got to go and speak to an independent lawyer in your jurisdiction in this area. If you need any more information on that, you can head along to our website for uh, some contact details of legal services. 
thank you again to the Law Foundation of SA for financially supporting this podcast and making it so that we can bring this information to you. Now, Liz drew short straw for this uh, episode too, and he was the one that had to hit the books and uh, review the case and get the information down pat. For next fortnight, episode three, I've drawn the short straw. So join us as we tackle ACCC and Lorna Jane and the story of the antiviral activewear. Looking forward to bringing that one to you. Of course, if you want more information on any things we've talked about today or just want to learn more about the podcast, you can head over to our website, which is consumerlaw.media, or you could also follow us on most of the socials. We've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So that brings us to the end of today's program. So thank you for listening. Uh, we look forward to you joining us for our next episode. Stay classy. Nah. That's, that's Anchorman. Nah. Yeah, it's Anchorman. Okay. Next week, next week we'll have our sign off. Next fortnight, actually. Ah, next fortnight. Okay. Bye. Bye.